Welcome to the Roundtable, the show that brings you the latest in the worlds of football, basketball, and gambling. Now, let's get to it. Here are your hosts, Brad Wakai and Tyson Gentry. Welcome into the Roundtable. I'm Brad Wakai. That is my co-host, Tyson Gentry. We are back with another edition of the Draft Dive today, Tyson, and we had quite a little... uh, Quite a little episode last week when we recorded and then all hell broke loose when the Bears traded the number one overall pick to the Panthers. So we were fully ready coming in here to talk about what the Panthers do at nine. Do they potentially trade up or what happens? But they clearly uh, had an idea of what they wanted to do and went up to number one to go get it or potentially do other things. But uh, we get to talk about the Bears again. Tyson, are you excited? Oh, I couldn't. I couldn't want to talk about a team more than the Chicago Bears twice in a couple of weeks. No, nah, man, I got the new season of Ted Lasso today. The sun's out for the first time in Montana in forever. Let's just skip over the Bears. Let's make me happy. Let's go right to 10. <laughs> well, the Eagles are 10. We're also talking about the Titans and Texans. But, you know, unfortunately, we, we got to give the Bears a little bit more love, Tyson, because uh, – they um well they got the ninth overall pick the 39th from the Panthers in the trade futures whatever we discussed that in the past offseason acquisitions or offseason office episode we did and they also have their 56th in the first three rounds of this year's draft so they got some capital I'm curious what they do with this move here because it seems like they're out of the Jalen Carter range although his pro day today was not very impressive I'd be shocked if he slid down the nine I, I personally would is this offensive lineman range i mean we on the offseason office i made a pretty hard statement about it but i want to get your thoughts as we go through this well one thing too before we get too deep because joe and carter is going to be a name floated uh until april um for all these spots it's pro days whatever um drills weren't good all that stuff but the bigger issue to me and i understand he's a kid and he's going through all this stuff i mean he's younger than us man but uh and he's got a lot on his plate but you don't get to show up out of shape to a job interview for millions of dollars. Because if I'm looking at that as a general manager and like things seem to be on the upswing in Chicago, do I want the guy that didn't even give a fuck enough to show up in shape to his job interview? Because what happens when that guy gets $30 million in the bank? Is Albert Hainsworth waiting to happen? To me, that was like, you can show up and you can do bad, but if you're huffing and puffing after not doing hardly any physical drills, like, I don't know. I think that that's a, Chicago's got too much good going on right now, I think, to step in that direction. Um, we floated uh, Peter Skaronsky. You can float uh, Paris Johnson, uh, whatever offensive lineman you want. I think the mocks are going to show um, Jalen Carter going here the most. It, it makes sense. It's, it's what I've so said. So far. I can't see that. It's what I've said from day one. Like, you get this guy in Eberflus' defense, and that's a difference maker, game changer, all that stuff. Um, if they're going to go a different direction – it, to me, I don't know. You send eight eight scouts, eight members of the organization down to Northwestern's Pro Day to look at Peter Skoronsky play. Um, he's from Chicago, all that stuff. He had dinosaur arms at the Combine. That's what everyone wants to talk about <laughs> is short arms. And that uh, matters a little bit, but not quite as much, I think, as people kind of make it out to. I think that they should go offensive line here. I just like Justin Fields is crazy athletic, and it's super fun to watch him run for his life. But if you're the Bears, like, Two first-round picks next year. You're going to have more cap space to roll over. You better at least get a tackle that you can slot in for a decade, hopefully, um, or at least all the way through his first contract because that's not a position you want to be trying to fill after you have everything else done. 
Yeah, 100%. And I mean, I just can't see Jalen Carter falling this far. And I know it's a hot thing to do on, on the mock drafts. Nobody's really plugged in about what's really going on as of now. I mean, we still have a ton of time to go. I'd be shocked if he falls past five to Seattle. That just feels like a Seattle type of pick to me. But we're focused on the Bears now. And I said in offseason office, if Peter Skaronsky is available <clears throat> at this ninth pick, he will be a Chicago Bear. If I'm wrong and he's on the board and they go with another offensive lineman or another player, you could send me all the hate you want. Like The kid was born in Park Ridge outside of Chicago, went to high school at Park Ridge outside of Chicago, went to Northwestern, which is in Chicago. Why the hell not just bring him home to Chicago and keep him home? He's going to be a Chicago Bear. And I love, like, man, the arms are just so small and things like that. He's done a great job against other great players in the Big Ten who are pass rushers as well. Like, he has a body of work. That yeah, check out the that NFL going. rosters, man. All these edge rushers that people want to talk about. Like, half of them are from the Big Ten. And then, like, uh, Lucas Vitness and all these guys, they look fine on tape against Peter Skronsky. They don't look like top ten picks. Exactly. So, I think you're right. Bears here at nine, they, they're going to go offensive line. I think it's Skronsky. I'm actually guaranteeing it. How about that? I'm going to guarantee it. No sources, no nothing. Just gut intuition. If Skaronsky is available, he is your guy here at 9 Chicago. Get ready for your hometown kid. They be coming back. That's what we do here. We guarantee um, just basically off the strength of intuition. And when we're wrong, we just say, well, of course we were wrong, dude. We don't have sources. It's beautiful. Double-edged sword. But <laughs> No, nah, man, we, we make the shit bed and we lie in it. That's what happens. Yeah, oh, 100%. Hand, hand up. Hey, that's that's the motto, but hopefully we don't have to put our hand up a little bit too often, Tyson. <laughs> that's the goal. Okay, let's get in our our, uh, our Philadelphia Eagles here, the Birds. Now, they got this 10th overall pick from the Saints, so they're double-dipping here. They have the 10th pick, the 30th pick that's their own, the 62nd, and the 94th pick in the first three rounds of this year's draft. Obviously, there's you know Jalen Hurts is their franchise QB after the performance he had last season, so... They don't need to address anything here. So you're kind of in a luxury spot knowing that he's your quarterback and you get to select high because the Saints are incompetent as an organization. <laughs> um, so uh, notable free agents, you know, Kelsey resigned, James Bradbury resigned, Javon Hargrave went to the San Francisco 49ers, and Miles Sanders just went to the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, crazy. Crazy. Fletcher Cox resigned as well. So those are kind of the notable Slay guys. Lane Johnson. Oh, yeah, Darius Slay cut. And Tyson <clears throat> Tyson has a feeling that he will re-sign with the Eagles. So why don't you go through that before we discuss, you know, kind of the, the route they may take here at 10. Well, Slay wants a three-year guaranteed contract. He's 32 years old. Uh, he was average for Darius. He was below average for Darius Slay. He was an average NFL corner for the back half of last season. Uh, I don't think anybody out there is going to give him three years. He went out and tweeted, shit, I might be back. You never know. Um, I think presumably after testing the market, everyone was like, no. So basically, uh, he might end up costing himself some money here uh, in the short term. He was looking for more long-term money. But Howie Roseman has a kind of track record of these moves, like Fletcher Cox uh, getting cut just to get re-signed. You can run down the list. They'll cut somebody with a big cap number uh, in order to manipulate it a little bit, and they'll be back in the fold. Um, within a couple weeks I don't see the market out there for Darius Slay that he thought he was going to get um, to me there's really no way he gets more money than James Bradbury just got uh, who was the second team all pro granted their teammates but uh, he's three years younger than him so I, I don't think there's a way that Slay unless it's you know 
the Lions really want to bring the guy back or something like that. It'd have to be a um, a pretty bad team trying to get some veteran leadership in there. And Patricia's not there, so may- maybe he's open to going back to Detroit. You never know. I think the Eagles still draft a cornerback here at 10, Tyson. Uh, now, there is a possibility that Howie trades out of this pick. So I, I actually think that if I had to put odds on it, I think they trade out of this. Yeah. I think they want to get more draft picks, more capital, and um, have cheaper rookies on the back end who are maybe kind of building into their career as as Hertz progresses and becomes more expensive to the cap when he eventually signs his contract. But if he doesn't trade out of this pick, if they decide to stay here, I think they're going to look at Joey Porter Jr. here at 10 or Christian Gonzalez, your guy from Oregon, here at 10. I, I definitely think they address their cornerback need right here at this position. Yeah, I think that's the most logical thing. You can always kind of see how Roseman taking an offensive tackle and getting Lane Johnson's replacement because they're proactive in that sense. Like Andre Dillard just played out his entire first contract without getting to play. Isaac Sayamalu just played out uh, his entire first contract in a different position than he was drafted to. Uh, Landon Dickerson now plays guard. He was drafted at center. Cam Jurgens is going to slide out to guard. He was drafted at center. So they, they take guys uh, knowing that they might not play right away, but hopefully that's the next in line. I would be shocked if the Eagles pick here at 10. If they stay at 10, I think it's got to be a corner. I think Philly would really uh, like to be able to plug and play uh, Devin Witherspoon in here, but I just I don't know if he's making it all the way to 10. When's the last time the Philadelphia Eagles picked at the spot that was assigned to the Philadelphia Eagles post-NFL <laughs> post, post NFL season? It just doesn't happen. A couple of years ago, they're going up to six to go back down to 10 to grab Devontae Smith. Uh, last year, they're moving up for Jordan Davis, and then they're trading for A.J. Brown. Uh, Howie Roseman doesn't – he's not afraid to be wrong in the NFL draft, which has – drawn the ire of a lot of Eagles fans over the years, you and I included. Yeah. Um, we were pissed off when he took Rager. We were pissed off when he took Jalen Hurts, to be honest with you, because it felt like, why would you do that? turns out, you know, he's the general manager for a reason. But I, I don't see Philly staying here at 10. I think this is a prime spot for if Jalen Carter makes it to 10, for if Will Levis makes it to 10, or Anthony Richardson somehow makes it to 10. Uh, and then you go back, and I think Philly would target somewhere in the early teens uh, to mid-teens and try to add Joey Porter Jr. I think that's a guy uh, that's really going to fit what they're going to try to do on defense, and I think he's a guy that can play multiple positions, which is something the Eagles value tremendously. And if they do trade out of this pick, and it's let's say it's somebody, you know, they get two draft picks, probably not. You're, you're not getting two first-rounders, obviously. You're, you acquire a third, you acquire a second. I have a team need for him, uh, linebacker and running back as well. We know that the Eagles don't value running backs in the first round. We know they don't value linebackers. What they can do when they recuperate draft picks or or gain more, that's when they start firing off on some of these positions that they think they need to build to the future of, right? Like the linebackers, they just let uh, TJ Edwards go. Kaiser Kaiser White, White, he's gone as well. They like N'Kobe Dean. Is he going to be able to plug and play immediately and be a full-time starter? Or they do? Do they go out and sign somebody? They have you know five point six million in cap space. You know these numbers interchanging right now. They also have comp picks coming next year from the contracts that have been signed. Um, so once those are announced, that's kind of that's the Howie Roseman special right there. You start firing True. those things off. <laughs> I think what I'd be concerned about Tyson, to be completely honest, is that I don't think the Eagles are going to draft or ever going to draft this high again under the, in the Hertz era. So that's what I'm concerned about. If you have an opportunity, if you're Howie. Rose, when they get a blue chip player that you don't think you can get again, I I think that you 
I think you have to take that shot here. And I know it's great to go back, get more picks, more players into the franchise. But at the end of the day, there's only so many blue chip opportunities to get these guys. Like we saw the Jags were picking like shit forever. Finally got Lawrence. All of a sudden you're like, man, those uh, first round draft picks, those high picks that they've been selecting for a while. All of a sudden they can play because the quarterback can play. <laughs> yeah, they're scoring you points. Know? <laughs> And so it's and, and the Browns, right? When they finally figured it out, it, you know, they had a stacked roster because you know they pick blue chip players because they're always picking the high. So that's my concern if the Eagles do eventually do decide to trade out of this pick. And I think you're going to see Bijan Robinson mocked here the most. I we would both be super super surprised if Howie Roseman goes yes. running back this early in round one. I don't see it. Um, but the only counterpoint I could see, and I'm not saying that in any way that this is likely. Uh, but with the way the NFL works now, um, you know, the old adage defense was championships that all of our dads preached to us from the time we were born. It's not really the case anymore. It's kind of you have to outscore everybody. And I think Philadelphia, um, they're going to add a running back probably later in the draft. I bet you it's a Kendra Miller. It's a Roshan Johnson, somebody like that in the fourth round uh, to kind of bolster that running back room a little bit. But if if they really want to go all in and you want to score points, like we are now in the B. John Robinson territory. And people want to say uh, the NFL doesn't value running back like that anymore. There's no way – Saquon at two was an anomaly. There's no way that will happen again. And it, it won't. B. John won't go two. This is the best football player in the draft. And the reason that running backs don't always go in the first round is because when you're picking against – or picking Clyde Edwards-Alaire as a prospect um, – Melvin Gordon was the first one off a couple years ago in the second round, right? Najee Harris goes late round one. Travis Etienne goes late round one. Bijan shits on all those guys as a prospect. He really does. And it might sound Mm -hmm. biased because I've been pounding the table for this guy um, for a couple of years, but he is a true difference maker and a true game changer. Um, And I think we're going to get into the range here where he's going to go and people are going to go, well, what the hell? And then the season's going to start and it's going to go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And we saw how important uh, Brees Hall was for the Jets. When he went out, the offense didn't quite look the same. So uh, there is value in running back. It's just the old adage. Again, with the blue chippers, man, if if it's too good to pass up, sometimes you just got to take the hate from everybody else and be like, this isn't smart. But it's I'd rather have Eshawn Robinson on my team than not. Okay, let's move into the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Interesting offseason, I would say, for them, Tyson. Ryan Cannahill, QB for now, question mark. That's what I have written down. Obviously, they're picking with the 11th pick, 41st, and the 72nd in the first three rounds of this year's draft. Now, I had the need uh, to address the offensive line. I think they actually did a good job of addressing that in free agency so far. So I'm going to scratch that a bit. But they did lose David Long as their linebacker. Um, Austin Hooper, I do believe, has gone as w- as well as a key free agent. And uh, the other team needs, I just put, you know, wide receiver. I think that was clear that they were missing and, and lacking an elite wide receiving core this year. And then linebacker, I think that's something that needs to be addressed even more now with David Long on the way out of town. So what do you think the Titans are looking for here? It's a tough year to need wide out and linebacker. That's for sure. Because uh, picking at 11, I mean, you're reaching now on Quentin Johnston or Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jordan Addison, whoever you have as your wide out one on your board. Um, 11's probably too high. And the same thing for linebacker. Like, I just, I think you're going to get somebody in the second round who's going to have really similar uh, profile and really similar production uh, to whoever you would want to take here. I think you can wait on that. I think this is a Broderick Jones spot, uh, Paris Johnson spot. I still think uh, 
you need to – the Titans are insane at drafting left tackles year over year or even drafting right tackles. Like, they identify guys, and they're really good at getting them. New yep. regime, all that stuff, but we've seen it. The regimes have changed, and they still go out and they get Taylor Lewan to be a successor um, to guys who have made the Pro Bowl in the past. So, to me, like, you can't pick quarterback here. It, I, it's too high, I think, for offense, or for a wide receiver, maybe an edge rusher, but they're already um, – you're going to have a lot of money committed to the edges there. If, if you go with a uh, Lucas Van Ness or something like that here at 11, uh, to me, I'm looking at one of these uh, super freak athletes on the offensive line. Yeah, I'm curious. I mean, you know, they, they signed Andre Dillard three years, 29 million. So nothing really too crazy. And that's going to hit your cap. Uh, Daniel Brunskill, offensive guard, Arden Key, defensive lineman, that uh, edge rusher that they signed as well in the free agency period. So you're looking at it, you're like, I don't really know what the Titans are going to do. Now, I can see them honestly trading out of this and moving down, trying to get more draft picks, and then being comfortable taking a wide receiver. Because I agree with you. At, at 11 here, Johnson Field, I don't know about that I, I, in that offense. Now, maybe because if you move on from Tannehill and you're, you're like, man, I guess we got to go with Malik Willis. And with his accuracy <laughs> issues, you'd rather have a, a guy who's big than Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's a pre- right. precision route runner, but he's on the inside. So maybe they do take a shot here. I think they trade out. I think they're going to look for somebody who needs one of these edge rush pl- type of players, a Lucas Van Ness, if somebody fell in love with him at the combine, at his pro day, things like that. And then they can potentially either target a wide receiver in the first round or, like you said, they take that offensive lineman here. But I would be surprised they do that, especially as they've addressed some needs that they've had in free agency. They're in a weird spot, dude. Like They're this, super weird. This is uh, the AFC number one seed from a couple years ago. That was like a sliding doors moment. Like They had to get it done there because this thing looks way different. Absolutely. And we're going to finish off here with the Houston Texans, another AFC South team here. Now, they got this pick, the 12th from the Cleveland Browns and the Deshaun Watson trade. So they we discussed what we think they're going to do at two. And then they have this pick at 12. So they're in prime position also with the 34th pick and 66th pick this year in the first three rounds of this draft that they can quickly, quickly turn this roster over. And I've been impressed with what we did now we, when we did or what they did because we talked about them in offseason office episode, Tyson. You know, they've they've added some dudes. I mean, they got yeah. Shaq Mason on, on the offensive guard, uh, re-signed their center, Quesenberry. You know, their defense, Sheldon Rankins, Hassan Ridgeway, you know, wide receiver Noah Brown. Like, they're they're starting to get some actual players in this franchise. I'm curious where you think they need to address at this position, uh, this spot in the draft specifically. I mean, it it's counterintuitive to everything that we've said so far. Uh, but I think the Houston Texans need to swing for a home run. Like I think that this is where the possibility of Nolan Smith's combine going ballistic, I think uh, that makes sense to me. Because you're giving me a new head coach, D'Amico Ryans, who's a defensive guy who has had – who has been around a building of elite pass rushers um, since before he retired because he was playing um, with pretty good J.J. Watt, and then he goes to Philly, and he's playing with Fletcher Cox and those guys, Brandon Graham, and now uh, working with Bosa and Armstead and all the guys – uh, that he got to work with in in San Francisco, he gets two first round picks, both in the top fifteen. I I would be shocked if he doesn't spin one of those on a high upside uh, defensive end because 
if I'm him, I'm like, God damn it, I know how to do this. I can coach this. I can make this guy into what I think he can be. And I think that uh, Nolan Smith is probably the most malleable one. Uh, you're not going to be blown away by production. You might not be blown away by the film all the time. But when there's five first-round picks on your defensive line, it's kind of hard to stand out. So he shows up to the combine. He goes nuts, all this stuff. And I wasn't buying it. And then I just started to think about it a little bit more. And I think it makes a lot of sense. Because for a while, I thought the Texans were going to go wide out at 12. Um, and I, I still don't see it. I think the only way that would have happened is if C.J. Stroud went two, and then you can take Jackson Smith and Jigba at 12 and be like, well, you, we got you your buddy. So let's see if this works. Now that's off the table. Um, I'm saying edge rusher. I like the Nolan Smith look there. I He, he to me, is going to be an absolute stud if he's in a 3-4 defense. Just doesn't have to put his hand to the ground. Just use his speed to burn off the edge. I I think that'd be an awesome fit here. And D'Amico Ryans can teach him how to be that guy because that's the question, right? Oh, he's too frail. His his frame's too thin. Listen, you want tutelage? You want to be taught how to be elite pro? I, might as well, man, because Nolan Smith's upside, like we saw him. He was a game wrecker at Georgia before he got hurt. And yep. so if he can translate that to the NFL, I think you're right, man. They, they haven't had a pass rush since Watt left. And not saying this guy's going to be Watt because, you know, Watt's a, one of the best defensive players in the history of the sport. But you take seventy five percent of JJ Watt at number twelve, and you can get it, and you 100%. have to try. You have to try. <laughs> Absolutely, and I, I I do have edge rusher as a team need. Now they're going to address the QB situation with their higher pick. I agree with you; it's edge rusher or nothing for me here. And I think honestly, thirty fourth, that's where you target your receiver. That's where you go try to get somebody because it's not a very good class. I think you'd be reaching here, like you mentioned, if you go get a Quentin Johnson. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigba, I don't think would like you don't truly have a number one on this roster right now. I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I see edge rusher here for the Houston Texans as well. It'd be interesting how they view Nico Collins uh, on the outside because if, if we think we get in the second round here and they're going uh, with Zay Flowers, I think that tells you everything you need to know on how they feel about Nico Collins or maybe it's how they feel about this draft class as a whole. But I mean, when you're looking around here, it's like you could get a tackle or a guard. Um, you could take Lucas Van Ness, but to me, it's like, dude, if we can hit a home run, we hit a home run. And it's fun to shoot on the Texans because they won that last game of the regular season and <laughs> lost out of the number one pick. But they're kind of in the driver's seat of this draft now. Uh, with the Panthers trading up to one, um, obviously the Bears get a haul, and that's that's great for them, and that could have been the Texans, but they wouldn't have traded that pick. Um, right. All indications were that the Texans liked Bryce Young better than C.J. Stroud anyways up until now, so they might still get their guy. Um, and then be able to pick at 12. I, it worked out pretty well uh, for them versus what we were laughing at uh, week seven or week 18. Yeah, 100%. And then obviously Nick Casario, the general manager, you know, he's a former Patriots guy. What's his DNA on the draft? You know, what, what does he want to do? Because Bill Belichick was very involved with the draft picks in New England. So I'm curious how he wants to put his fingerprints and mold because really this is a, this is a build up job, this isn't a rebuild. Yeah. This is a take your Play-Doh and start building things from scratch. Because, I mean, there's there's really not a lot there. So this is a big draft for the Texans, man. A huge draft. And I thought they did well last year. I think Derek Stingley was uh, quietly super good this year. He just doesn't have a cool nickname uh, and doesn't play in New York. So people weren't quite all the way in on him the way they should have been. But it, it got off to a good start. But, dude, like if they mess this up, uh, not 12, but if they mess up the draft as a whole, they're – right back in the dumpster for for a long time yeah 
This is this is their moment. They have to make the change. And also, how does Derek Stingley not have a cool nickname? His last name is Stingley. Like Sting, like anything like that. First team All-American as a freshman, all that stuff. And he got through uh, one of the most notorious colleges for giving players nicknames, and he didn't get one. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't understand it. All right, that's going to wrap up our draft dive for the teams picking 9 through 12. And, of course, Tyson, as we're doing this, you know, hopefully with March Madness, maybe the NFL is like, ah, we'll just take the weekend off. Please. Probably not. No, but what will happen not. is uh, 15 seed will be to 2 on Friday, and then the Aaron Rodgers trade will come out 17 minutes afterwards. 100%. <laughs> Everyone's going to call Rodgers. <laughs> Texas, Texas lost to Colgate. Nobody cares. Yeah, it's like, oh, wait, Rodgers played in New York? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. Like, subscribe, share the show. We appreciate you guys watching as always. Follow us on our socials, Instagram at underscore the roundtable pod underscore TikTok is the same. And go ahead and hit us up on our Twitter at TRT underscore pod. We will be back next week talking more about the draft with another edition of the draft dive, reacting to what's going on in March Madness and college basketball and anything else that pops up in the craziness of free agency or anything like that in the world of sports. We'll talk to you guys then. Thanks for listening to The Roundtable. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. While you're there, please rate and review so others find out about the show. We'll catch you on the next episode of The Roundtable.